0: Episode 33 of ZK Live. Today we have Shane Garrett from Garrett Painting. He's a painting contractor based out of Missouri. Uh, I first met Shane at PCA Expo. Um, He probably thought I was a nut. I came up to him all excited to tell him all the stuff I was into. uh, But we've become friends over the years now. He's an incredibly knowledgeable, very skilled craftsperson, but also an amazing businessman. His company runs like a Swiss watch. Um, I aspire to have my operations run a little bit more like Shane. He's going to be on here in just a second. Um, Please, everyone, feel free to enter your questions. We'd love to ask him. Um, I'm going to go ahead and invite him on right now, and we'll go from there. Hello, sir. Hey, Zach. What's up, man? Not much. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. How are you? doing all right. I got like a sinus thing where it feels like my ears need to pop and they won't. But I'll fight through it.
1: Yeah. You'll suffer through. You're a tough guy.
0: Yeah. Pretend to be at least. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. I know it's a it's a big ask to have somebody come on and talk live in front of all 12 of the people right now. Um well, I've done it a couple times. I'm not as polished as
1: uh someone like torlando hakes or a Nick May, but
0: um, you know, I do what I can to help. We're not looking for polish. We the sizzle's good, but we care more about the steak. Yeah, you're not gonna get a lot of polished out of me, so But you got <clears throat> substance and that's why you're here. You're a humble guy, I know that. I'm yeah, famous horn. for being humble. Yeah. I'm going to tell everybody how great you are and see if we can't get you to share some little nuggets of gold for everybody. Okay. Okay. Uh, So how about let's start at the beginning. How'd you get into painting?
1: Um, well I was, uh, my late wife was a, uh, decorative painter. And, um, I had been working for a remodeling company that did mostly painting. And I'd I'd had about about six months painting experience at the time and had an opportunity to um, win the project for a a very large home that she was working in through her employer. And uh, being 24 years old, um, new baby, uh, new marriage, and uh, knowing absolutely nothing uh, other than having six months of painting experience, I thought I was qualified enough to go in and. A twenty seven thousand square foot house. So uh the young and cocky person that I was, that's just what I did. We spent about probably about a year, year and a half in that house. Um it's where I hired my first employees and it's where I, you know, kinda cut my teeth in the painting business. So
0: I was real fortunate to have
1: that opportunity.
0: That's an unbelievable beginning.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was uh it was a ballsy move, but we made it work.
0: Yeah, I don't think uh that's a very common I know a lot of people that would have been able to make that work
1: I was definitely winging it like I said I was 24 so I was just dumb as a rock you know at that point had no idea what I didn't know and you you got the confidence of youth behind you and with six months experience under my belt I felt like I was a pretty good painter and could could tackle this house and it it just happened to be a 27,000 square foot house so it kept me busy for quite a while Um, I actually collected deposits for the job, and went and bought my tools with that deposit money. I went to Home Depot and bought tarps and rollers and poles and brushes and all the stuff I needed. Um, and just just got after it. Hired a couple painters. Hired a. Uh, obviously, most of the painters I was hiring were more experienced than me, so I learned actually learned through my employees quite a bit, you know,
0: over the years. So um,
1: that's how I got started.
0: That's unbelievable. How did that? Um... <clears throat> was it a hard sell to get them on board? No, my, my wife was collecting the bids,
1: So, um, you know, she, of course she put a good word in for me and I was, you know, just getting started. I had a, a a very reasonable price. Um, and, uh, you know, so it was, it was pretty easy to get the job actually, but it was a big job. It was, it was a really big job. So a little bit intimidating, but not really
0: that saying about eating an elephant one bite at a time yeah yeah it was a big elephant to eat but we got it done <clears throat> that's amazing then so what happened after that Did huh? it into a bunch more or, or i had to be tough times
1: well you know i we we landed some jobs after that there were some some lean times i had to you know go work for some other contractors here and there just you know it was the uh, early 2000s so um i i you know i kind of bounced around i get jobs here and there i might have to go work for another contractor here and there you know and that went on for oh a couple three years i think and then i happened to uh, we were at a home show um we were living in a mobile home at that point a 16 by 80 single wide mobile home we didn't you know, really have any money, but I had, I don't know, 20 bucks on me or so. And we, we went to home show. We had just enough to get into the home show. And when we were there, there was a remodeling company that had a booth uh, and they were a very well-known and very established remodeling company that did a lot of work. And I just walked up to the guy, the owner was there working the booth and I just shook his hand. I said, I'm Shane Garrett, I'm with Garrett Painting. And I, you know, if you've got any paint jobs, if you've got any business, uh, anything you need me to do, I, I'd love a shot at your business, you know, so. And he was actually having issues with his painter at the time. And he said, well, call my office Monday and let's make an appointment. And I stumbled into that and that started a 15-year relationship with that company, who at one point in time, they were, you know, 50% of our revenue for many years. Um, they've since gone out of business and, you know, we've moved on to other things. But there, that was a 15-year relationship that really really built my business. It really built our reputation. It gave us the steady work we needed and in, in the type of work we needed to be doing, which was high-end residential work, um, which is what we still specialize in. And, um, they were a very uh, unique company in that they were very organized, very process-driven, very system-driven, lots of documentation, high levels of customer service. Um, and so I learned a lot about how to do business through working with that remodeling company and learning, you know, the expectations of those type of customers and how to be successful in, in, in that market.
0: <clears throat> yeah. So let's skip to, to give people context. What does your company look like today?
1: Today, um, you know, we're still in the high end residential market. We focus on, uh, interior repaints, exterior repaints, cabinet refinishing has been a big thing for us. Um, we'll run anywhere from, you know, we haven't been able to run as big a crew this year as we normally like to because of the, um, you know, just the situation with, with the unemployment benefits that the federal government offered and, you know, through the second quarter, um, you know, between the state of Missouri and the federal government, people on unemployment were collecting over $900 a week and didn't have to look for a job. So that makes it pretty hard to find new talent <laughs> at that point. You know, we were kind of, we were kind of skeleton, through uh second quarter we we were able to keep maybe seven to ten you know painters through the second quarter which obviously you know didn't reach our goals we're we're at about 15 16 painters right now currently last year at our peak we had 22 painters so we'll generally in the busy season we'll run between 15 and 20 painters
0: that's awesome what does the organization look like
1: org chart is uh well there's me i'm at the top obviously Um, i'm the main estimator as well and we have uh, one office manager named angela and she's a she's a real workhorse she handles all our customer service calls takes our leads in handles all the bookkeeping um you know if, if any busy painting company has an office manager they know how many hats they have to wear so she's a very talented girl and then below uh, me is my field supervisor Corey, who's also an estimator as well. Um, he's been with me 16 years. He he basically, you know, runs operations for me. And in, in the last year or so, he's been uh, doing a lot of estimates and doing a real good job selling, selling work. So, um, so below Corey, we have crew leaders. Um, we've got Jay, who's also been with me 16 years. We've got Daniel, who's been with me about 13 years um we've got you know those are Corey and jay and daniel are the guys i kind of built the company with um you know i've, I've been in business for 20 years jay and Corey have been with me 16 of those and daniel's been with me I, I think 13 or 14 of those years so they were three key finds um very very important uh people in my life and and guys that stuck it out showed up no matter what worked the saturdays and sundays when it was i mean there was times i mean it was just the four of us you know back when we would work Saturdays and Sundays and you know doing what you had to do to feed the kids so those guys are huge they're they're a huge part of the company and and been a huge part of why we've been successful Um, when you got some guys like that you even just three guys like that you can build around them you know and uh, beyond that we've got Andy Devin um, both got about five years in with me we've got John Patterson who's probably got on and off five to ten years with me, um, you know. Those are they're crew leaders as well. They're kind of junior crew leaders. They're obviously below Jay and Daniel and Corey, but they still run jobs, you know. So uh, and then below that we, you know, we have lead painters, painters, um, apprentices.
0: So that's amazing. So m- one of my favorite things to talk about with you at last PCA was so sort of the uh, and I've I've thought and talked it since the the progression client has from the time that they ever come in contact with you and you have a pretty well thought out process from that point all the way till the job is complete and then even remarketing to them later correct correct
1: that's correct so um, the three of our biggest values probably the three the three key things that helped me um, create a successful business for some aha things. Um, and there was at one point in time, probably about 10 years ago that it occurred to me, you know, the first half of my career, we were so focused on being the best painters, the, the best quality, the best products, the straightest lines. And we just really um, took a lot of pride in being, you know, the, the best quality painters that you could get, that we could possibly be. Um, and about 10 years into my business, what I realized after getting so many Google reviews and so much feedback from customers and and Facebook reviews is I noticed they hardly ever mention how nice the paint job is. What we always hear from our clients is how nice our painters were, how clean the job was, how much they appreciated that we showed up every day and we didn't pull off in the middle of the job and leave their work half done. Um, And I noticed that, you know, all the raves that we were getting and, and these really loyal clients that, that we were building um, were really blown away by our customer service efforts. And, and it really occurred to me that when you're Garrett painting, they expect quality. They just expect that. But what surprises them is our customer service efforts. And I realized that customer service, I don't wanna say it's more important than quality, but it's just as important Um, and maybe it is more important. So customer service is key. Um, So that brings me to systems. Systems equal freedom. Um, Anybody with a successful painting company knows you have to be systemized in how you do things. If you're running large crews of guys, you have to have processes and they have to be documented and everybody needs to follow those systems and processes. Um, and if we follow our systems and processes, we can almost guarantee good customer service and happy clients at the end of every job. And so we, you know, we analyzed, you know, what do we do? What are the things that, that they're, that, that they like to see, you know, in their home? And we documented that and we discussed that. And then, you know, over the course of years, we've, we've created software and not created software, but um, implemented software. Uh, that helps us manage our customer service efforts and make sure that things don't slip through the cracks, right colors go on the walls, things are cleaned up at the end of the day and and stuff's done the way that it's supposed to be done, not just in someone's head, but actually a documented process that's followed and and checked on, you know? So um, what the other value that ties into that is an ownership mentality with your employees. It was a huge thing for me that I took away from my very first PCA expo, which would absolutely transform my business. It was in Charleston, I think it was six years ago. Um, and one person in particular I spoke with, Matt Hardin, um, out of Walla Walla, Washington, who runs a very successful painting company called Four Seasons Color. And over drinks at the Benjamin Moore banquet, um, matt was so transparent and so open and and he shared so much with me about how he ran his business and what he'd learned through his consulting groups that he'd been a part of and through the other painters that he had networked with and um so you know at that point in time in my career i would still show up at the beginning of the job every day i would still run paint around to the crews uh when we started a job, it was me walking the guys through, telling them what needed to be done. We didn't even have work orders then. So, and discussing with, with Matt and the, and the processes and the systems that he used, and I'm standing there going, so you're telling me that you bid a job and you don't go back to the job? And he said, nope. So how do you do that, you know? How do you do that and have happy customers? And, you know, so he kind of explained how, how their, their business was systemized and how their crew leaders had an ownership mentality over the job um so i you know i brought that back and it took years you know it took four or five years to kind of get things that worked for our company and systems that worked for our company in the way we like to do things implemented. you know it was a long process but what i brought back was um to instill into my guys especially my crew leaders an ownership mentality whereas prior to that you know i would micromanage i would micromanage every little detail of the job you know Um, and I found that when you give your crew leaders ownership over that project and that's, that's ownership to, to sometimes fail and do it wrong, um, to uh, to learn a lesson, you know, sometimes I got to stand there. I literally have to stand there and say, you know, that might be the right way to do it, but maybe you should do it this way, but it's totally up to you. You know, it's your job and you're running step on your toes and when you give uh when you have a good employee and you give them an ownership mentality they care you know they're, they're taking pride that that's their job they want to make sure it comes in profitable they want to make sure the customers are happy they want to keep their head held up amongst their peers um, and they take responsibility for that work but that takes you having to step back and actually let them have ownership and that means sometimes you got to let them make the wrong move here and there And sometimes they're making the right move and you don't know it, you know. Sometimes I say, "Mm, do you really think you should be doing it that way or should you be doing it this way instead? And then um, they'll explain why they're doing it that way and then I'll have to go, well, you know, that makes sense. I see why you're doing it that way. Go ahead. Um, Sometimes that means they come to me with a problem and I have to ask them instead of problem solving it for them, I have to ask them, what do you think we should do? And let them problem solve it themselves. And then a lot of times I'll say, "That sounds good. Do it." So um, ownership mentality is a big part of that, and and systems, you know, equal freedom and and an un unyielding commitment to customer service. You know, customer service always wins. So um, we use those three values to kind of build the systems that we have in place and the software that we have in place that make sure that nothing falls through the cracks. You know from the the time the first phone call is made into our office until the time our office manager is calling them for a, a follow-up you know into the job satisfaction survey and there's a there's a process for everything that happens in between that for the most part 90 percent of the time goes the exact same way for every single job which creates consistency consistency is you know a big key to having
0: success obviously Here you go could you go into that? Like, could you walk us through from they first call to the time that that customer service? Okay. Thing um, I know it's a lot, but I think I'll do people- the best
1: I can. I'm not, I'm not a part of all of that anymore. There's certain parts that are mine, um, and I did design the process, but I'll try to go through it methodically and make sure I don't leave anything out yeah <laughs> so phone call comes in angela takes the call and and takes the lead so she'll talk with the customer about you know what they're wanting done and she's trying to get a lot of details you know or it's an interior job okay you want walls walls and ceilings walls, ceilings and trim you know what are your what are concerns that you have about the job what is your timeline you're looking to get it done in um and she'll take in as much information as she can about that She'll enter that into our, we're using Estimate Rocket as our CRM and we're using Estimate Rocket as our estimating software. Um, There's a lot of other choices out there, but we found that it's it's the one that works best for us. So she'll enter all that information into Estimate Rocket and then it goes on my dashboard. um, As the estimator, it goes on my dashboard. And obviously we get a lot of leads in you know, during the day, oftentimes sometimes we can get six, eight, ten leads in, sometimes none, you know, it all depends. But so I'll open my dashboard up in the morning and I'll see all the leads. I'll have the clients' names, it'll or all their email and phone number, address, all that's already entered in for me. I don't have to enter any of that stuff in when I do an estimate. <clears throat> I'll open the leads up, you know, I'll read the descriptions, <clears throat> see what they're wanting done, look at their timelines, make sure it's a job that we want to take on that, you know, fits our skill set. Make sure that it's a job that we can meet whatever timeline they're expecting. Um, certain jobs, Corey's better at estimating than I am. Um, floor jobs, for example, he knows floor coding far better than I do. So if it's a floor coding job, it automatically gets put on Corey's dashboard, which he checks every day. So I'll kind of allot the leads out, you know, depending on skill set and, and uh, experience between the estimators. So then I'll call the client. Um, I always have my calendar open when I call the client. I won't call a client from my truck driving down the road. You know, I won't call the client at 6:30 in the morning when I'm trying to brush my teeth. I'm at my desk with my calendar open. When I call the client, um, I'll talk about the job with them. We'll set up a time that, that works to meet with them. I don't do evening appointments. I don't do weekend appointments. Um, you know, my clientele is really respectful but that. You know, I have free time and, and we can almost always find a time between eight and five where where we can meet. And, uh, So I'll enter that into my calendar, you know, as I'm discussing it with them and save it to make sure nothing slips through the
0: cracks. With uh, videos,
1: depending on what type of work we're doing, whether it's interior cabinets, exterior, we have different videos that kind of explain our processes, explain our customer service philosophy and explain things about our company. Um, And also other services that we offer that sometimes these clients don't realize that, Oh, you do this too. So, you know, we send some videos out to them so they can kind of research the company. We'll give them links to our Facebook. We'll give them links to our website. So they can know plenty about us before I show up at their door. So I'll meet the client. I'll walk through with them. We'll discuss what they want to have done. I take photos of the work. Um, We use production rates to do our estimates so that we're accurate. It means we measure wall space, we measure lineal foot of trim, we measure square footage of whatever it is that we're estimating. I'll discuss with the client, you know, our process once again, you know, and make sure that I'm setting all the right expectations for them. I'll produce the estimate in the office. I don't do on-site estimates very often. <clears throat> A lot of companies do, but that's just not our way. So I'll go back to our office, I'll prepare the estimate, it'll be very detailed. It'll have exactly what we're doing. It'll have different rooms itemized. It'll have the products that we're using. Um, And the reason that I'm so detailed with my estimate is my my estimate becomes my work order. The work order on the job site's the Bible. When our crew leader goes to a job, they're using the work order and the photos I've provided to know what needs to be done and to uh, make sure that, you know, it doesn't happen to us very often but I know it happens to a lot of companies and it used to happen to us before we had work orders. Clients think you're painting this room, but you didn't really have that included in the pricing or, oh, I thought in this room we were doing the ceiling. You know, no, we didn't talk about the ceiling. That's, that's not in our work order, you know, but if you don't have good work order, if you don't have a good signed document that the client signed that you guys have agreed upon that, that your crew leaders are using, there can be a lot of miscommunications on the job. So I make sure my estimate's very detailed Um, as in, it doesn't just say paint bedroom, master bedroom, you know, it says master bedroom. We're doing one coat on the trim. We're doing two coats on the walls. We're doing one coat on the ceiling. These are the products that we're using. Um, so I'll produce the estimate. I add all the photos into estimate rocket with that estimate. So when I, when I send that over to the client, they're seeing the estimate, they're seeing the photos. Um, if they want to move forward, they can approve it and sign it right there online. Um, and once that's done, I get an email that, that so-and-so has accepted this project. So immediately I'm sending out a deposit invoice. I'm kicking it onto Angela's dashboard to set up for production. <clears throat> what set up for production means, that's when she enters it into Basecamp. So that's our field software that we use that all of our all of our guys access, not just our crew leaders, but our apprentices, our painters, everybody's encouraged to be on Basecamp, reading the work orders and seeing all the information about that job. So she'll enter, she'll, she'll, forward that work order uh, into Basecamp. And again, the client's info, their phone number, their address, the the work order, the photos, everything has only been data entered one time. So all she has to do is just take that work order and just email it straight into Basecamp and all the information's there. We're not double and triple entering information, um, which was very important to me when I was setting the systems up. I wanted to be able to create a detailed estimate that became the work order have to produce a separate document because that, you know that's a waste of time obviously so she sets all that up in base camp and once the job is set up um, we also have budget hours for the job but we also have budget hours for every single thing we're doing in the job the walls should take this many hours ceiling so should take this many hours trim should take this so we're giving our all of our guys a guideline on what we expect production wise um, so that we can be profitable so once she set everything up in base camp uh, it gets put onto Corey's dashboard to schedule. Corey makes his scheduling calls on Thursdays. So on Thursdays, Corey will go through all the projects that we've sold that week, and he will call those clients and give them a, a tentative start date, and we'll put that on a on an electronic calendar that we use. <clears throat> um, so at that point, the um, when the job comes about. We're making, you know, we're communicating with the clients leading up to the job. Start dates aren't always firm. They usually aren't. So we're, you know, we have not- notifications that tell us, hey, this job's a week from starting. We need to call and touch base with the client. Maybe a job needs to be pushed back, pushed forward. Maybe it's starting right on time. Whatever. We, we want communication, communication, communication. Um, so we're touching base with our clients, letting them know, okay, the job's going to start. Jay's going to be doing your job. He'll be there Monday morning at 8. Jay shows up Monday morning at 8 a.m. He's got his work order. He's got his photos, which he's studied on before the job starts. So, you know, Friday at the end of the day, he's looking at what am I doing Monday? Okay, here's the job. Here's everything that I'm doing. I can see photos. Okay, I need an extension ladder to get up there. I'm going to need these tools. I'm going to need this equipment. And they're expected to know that, you know. So that allows them to pre-plan for the job you know, without a initial walkthrough to find out what they're doing. And then our crew leaders show up at the job on their own. Um, you know, there's sometimes there's big jobs or important jobs or specialty jobs or things where maybe the field supervisor needs to be there day one as well, you know, if it's a thirty thousand dollar project, yeah. But most of our average jobs, our crew leaders show up on their own. They've got their work order, they've got their photos, they've got their crew with them, their van and their tools. They're trained how to introduce themselves. They're trained how to set up their workstation. They're trained to walk through with the client and review the work order, which is a matching document to the client's estimates. So they're making sure that everything that's on our work order is meeting the client's expectations as far as what, what rooms are getting done, what paint's getting used, so on and so forth. Um, we're looking for previous damage. You know, paint splatters on the floor from the first painter, scratches on the floor, things like that. We're documenting that to make sure that we don't get blamed for that at the end of the job. And when they do that, they they document that in Basecamp under that job where the work order is. They'll fill out a color sheet with the client and get all the colors and get the client to sign off on it. They'll take a photo of that and they'll document that in Basecamp so that we've got our color sheet right where our work order is and everything else. If we have additional work orders to be signed, change orders or hold harmless agreements or any other kind of documentation that that needs to be handled during that particular project, it all gets saved in Basecamp where that work order is under that job portal. So it's there forever and everything that has to do with that job is there. So we'll, uh, you know, we'll do the work then, you know, we're, we're clean, courteous, we communicate with the client every day, let them know our progress, our expected finish date, um, and, and, you know, do a great job painting. When the paint job's done, we do our walkthrough with our client. Um, our crew leader does that and make sure they go through all the rooms, make sure we didn't miss anything. If there's any touch-ups, we take care of it. If there's any issues, we take care of it right then and there on the spot. And we get our client to sign off on the work order um, saying that they're satisfied and the project's finished. It saves a lot of trips back for Um, touch-ups. And at that point, our our crew leader will take a picture of that. They'll put it in base camp. I get an email, work order's completed. They've gone into Basecamp and we can also, we also have checklists in Basecamp, electronic checklists. So we'll check final walkthrough is done, uh, work order is signed, client is happy. So I know then at that point in time, I've still never showed up at the job um, since the estimate, um, but I know that the client's happy. They signed off on the work order. they've done a final walkthrough with our crew leader and, and they're satisfied. Otherwise they wouldn't have signed off. So at that point I create the final invoice, I email it to the client through Estimate Rocket then I assign that project back over to Angela for the following day to call a client and do a customer satisfaction survey, which is a a document we have that checks on cleanliness, punctuality, um, quality of work, you know, customer service efforts and all the things that we care about. Um, as far as, you know, our, 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 that project, the things that we care about our customer being happy with. So, um, and she'll she'll do that and she'll document that as well and um and that's pretty much the end of it you know that's that everybody's got a dashboard everybody's got a, a role that they play from you know office manager hang on just a second hey darling i'm doing a podcast i'm doing a podcast right now my daughter just got home from her first day of school oh
0: wow first day of senior year that's
1: exciting.
0: so yeah it's going no person Huh? Did you go in person then?
1: Yeah, yeah, we went in person. Mass are uh optional at North Callaway.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we're in the middle of nowhere. So
1: Missouri's kinda like the Wild West. We do what we want here. Um so yeah, so she she does that follow up and so that's just another um you know more peace of mind for me that the client's happy we've made sure you know sometimes it's two or three days before she does the follow-up we made sure there's, you know they didn't find anything that we missed or any spots that we should have took care of or or anything like that and we want to be we want to be the ones reaching out to them to find out if there's something wrong or if there's something we missed we don't want to have to get a phone call from our clients so that's that's why i really like to do that um and then she'll reassign that to herself to follow up on payment, you know? If we don't have a check within two or three weeks, she's got it on her dashboard. Well, we haven't been paid for that yet, so she gives them a call and make sure everything's okay, make sure a check wasn't lost in the mail or, or whatever. So um, that's pretty much start to finish, you know, what we do on a job and how we make sure things don't fall through the cracks, you know?
0: Tremendous, and it, it inspires me, and you have, you're you passing it along. You are the uh, the guy, you were the guy I met at PCA that over drinks blew my mind and changed my like what this whole thing could look like well i'll say zach kenny changed uh the
1: instagram game for me so i was i was a total newbie at instagram didn't know anything about hashtags or what to do or or how to get followers or any of that stuff i was just playing around at that point so i learned a ton about instagram from you that's that's really helped me so it was uh it was a give and take there.
0: Yeah. Now you get work. Do, do people find you through Instagram yet? Or- you? We Yeah, we have a lot
1: of, we have, we have a lot of people that follow us solely on Instagram.
0: Um, and I hear people say it all
1: the time. Well, oh, I saw it on Instagram, I saw it on Instagram and we do get leads. Of course, we document where all of our leads come from. That's one of the first thing a- Angela's got a list of questions that she asks. Again, it's, it's a system, it's a process that's documented. Um, So she'll go through and that's one of the questions she asks them is, you know, where did you hear about us? So whether it's a bands, yard signs, Instagram, Facebook, word of mouth, previous client, you know, whatever she documents, all that, um, 80, 80 to 85% of our, our work comes from word of mouth or previous clients. So, you know, Facebook kind of Facebook's a, Facebook's much bigger for us than Instagram, way bigger. And I know you're a huge Instagram guy, but where we are, Facebook's just way more prominent with uh, people in my demographic that that I'm looking for, which is 30 to 40 year olds, you know, in that range um, with higher end homes. So they just seem to be on Facebook more than Instagram. So that's that's a big thing for us. But even with all of our marketing efforts, um, with 20 years in the business, I'm still getting 80 to 85 percent of my leads from either previous clients
0: or word of mouth
1: so that's the name of the game quality and customer service word of mouth google reviews
0: yeah you just keep building on what you already have rather than trying to farm new land all the time yep yep
1: yep we do a fair we do a little bit of marketing but i don't spend much money on marketing you know t-shirts and van signs and stuff like that and um you know when when things slow down in the winter and we really need to drum up some work i'll boost some facebook ads
0: and stuff but we don't spend a
1: ton on marketing
0: what does it look like if the client wants to add work somebody had asked that question earlier um well
1: we've got two two different ways we can do that um depending on who the crew leader is and how experienced they are they're they're they are um allowed to write a work order we call them awos in our company additional work order a lot of people call them a change order. Um, but our crew leaders, they have the power to do that. And they can, if they want to add a door or, or, you know, a room or whatever, they can write up a work order. They can price it. They can get the client to sign it. Our guys still have a physical job folder uh, along with Basecamp. So um, they'll have additional work order forms in their physical work order we put together for every job. So they can fill that out manually with a pen, price it, and then get the client to sign off on it and then they take a picture of it and they put it in Basecamp. Um, i'll get an email there's been an awo and uh, so i'll enter that into the uh, final invoice i do it right on the spot as soon as they come in so they don't get forgotten um the second way we can do it which is a really cool way through estimate rocket is you know if it's a large additional work order you know in the thousands of dollars um, a lot of times our estimator will do it and we can add it to the estimate and we can email the work order the the change order only over to the client for an electronic approval and when they sign that and approve it you know through email it automatically will populate that under our work order um, as as additional stuff that needs to be done for accrues so at that point when that happens we reassign that to angela's dashboard to do what we call rip and replace which means she needs to take the old work order out of base camp and put the new work order in base camp that has the additional work on it just so that it's current enough. Even if the crew leader knows about it, knows exactly what they're doing. Additionally, we want the current work order in there so that it's a, And you know, I would love to have a system where when you change the work order uh, that was already done, you know, and maybe through work glue, John Busick's system, that, that it, that may work that way in his system. I'm not sure. Um, we definitely flirted with WorkBlue quite a bit. Um, and we almost switched away from Estimate Rocket to go to WorkBlue because it's, it's really an all-inclusive software and maybe um, more robust than our Estimate Rocket Basecamp system. Um, but what we have is very user-friendly and our guys are used to it. You know, So we've just kind of stuck with that for now. We also use a software called T-Sheets, which most painting contractors know about. And it's a time clock system on the guy's phones, GPS tracked. They can clock in and out of jobs. Um, they can pull up T-Sheets. They can see which jobs they're... Um, well, they look at their schedule on T-Sheets, first of all, to find out where they're supposed to be that day. Um, we don't have to call our guys in the mornings and tell them what jobs to go to. It's Cory populates our t sheet schedule with the schedule. And each of our painters can get on there and see where they're supposed to be working that day. And when they get to the job, they get on their phone and they can clock in. When they leave for lunch, they clock out, and so on and so forth. And it's all GPS tracked, and that automatically gets synced into QuickBooks for payroll. And again, eliminates tons of you know double data entry and and stuff like that. So TSheets is a big software that we use that keeps track of our payroll and our timekeeping and stuff. And of course, our another thing that we do is we job cost every single job so we look at every single individual job during the job and when the job is complete once a week we look at are we on our budget do we hit our budget hours are we on our gross profit goals you know what percentage of materials did we use and we're looking for any anomalies and of course if we you know didn't make what we should or if we made more than we should we're discussing that and finding out you know why that is Um, it's rarely the latter but uh, we do, uh, you know, so we'll use T-sheets, you know, to, to, it, it, when we enter everything in, because also an Estimate Rocket, for each individual job, it has its own page and we can enter, we can enter all the material tickets for that job and all the hours for that job, all the payroll we spent. So we have a running total of gross profit um through estimate rocket when i pull that job up i can see the work order i can see the photos i can see all the materials we use all the documentation and i can see where we're running budget-wise on it in real time but it doesn't have quite all of the things that we like to look at so we do our own job sheets you know we look at once a week that kind of has a few other things that estimate rocket isn't showing us and we'll uh since part of our process too is to to look at our profitability on jobs and where we went right, where we went wrong and discuss that every week to make sure that we're um, not making mistakes in the future. Zach, I need to plug my phone in. I was gonna do this on my iPad, but I couldn't get the Instagram pulled up. So I'm on my phone real quick.
0: If you guys have, the best way to do it is to tap the little question button at the bottom. I'm trying to ask questions when I can, but if they, they end up too hot, like far up my scroll. So the best way to ask I can see them later is that little question button down at the bottom. If you just push that, type your question in. Then when it come, when I have a minute, I can go there, look at that, and that way we don't forget questions. I did see a couple people had questions that I I tried to. see if I can make this
1: work all right we're charging
0: so you said that the, when the they're walking through the project work order with the client that's is that when colors are given to you or you're just confirming the colors already
1: it varies. Um, usually on an estimate I just tell the clients I don't care about the colors right now unless you're doing a deep red or something really dark that's gonna take three coats it's they usually don't have their colors picked out at that point, you know, very often they don't have their colors picked out when I do the estimate. So sometimes they do. And if they do, I put it right in the work order. Sometimes I regret that because they'll change it six times before the job starts. So that's not always a good idea, but if they seem really firm and confident, this is definitely one I want to go with or we're, we're matching the old color for sure. Or I'm putting Pashmina on, then they seem really, if they seem wishy washy, I won't put it in the work order. Um, but if they seem confident that that's the color they want, I will, but the guys have a color sheet, you know, in their physical work file and they'll confirm the colors and document them when they, when they do the walkthrough with the client. And sometimes, you know, sometimes the client will email me colors. Sometimes they'll figure them out a week before we start. They shoot me an email. I'll copy and paste that and I'll throw it into base camp real quick. Um, so that'll, that'll be there for the guys. And if we have, you know, Thing, other things that would be in base camp, you know, if we got a garage door code and that's how we're getting out of the job, we'll document that in base camp, you know, uh, any kind of, hey, make sure you don't let the cat out or, you know, the, uh, the client requested something specific that's not normal, we'll document that in base camp. So uh, uh, one of the first things that we tell new recruits is, you know, it, it, even if you're just just an apprentice and you don't know anything, start navigating base camp. Read those work orders. Um, you know, you may not know what the hell it means, but be getting familiar with that so that you're not just the guy showing up saying, hey, what do you want me to do? You're the guy showing up saying, oh, I see that this siding up here needs to get scraped and sanded. You want me to jump on that first thing? You know, and so you're starting to process you know, what order things are going in, what needs to be done. And you're kind of teaching yourself how to possibly be a crew leader at some point in time. So, you know, the people, the guys with, one of the first things um, I look for in a new recruit is good reading comprehension, you know, good reading comprehension, be able to read a document and understand what needs to be done um, is really important. So,
0: yeah. So how does material ordering go then if you don't have the paint, ahead of time and know the color um
1: well zach as you know it's not very often that you walk into a job and start putting paint on that's almost never happens actually so uh, most of the time that's you pick the paint up at lunch you know we don't live in a huge city we live in a city with about a hundred thousand people you're never further than 15 minutes from the paint store where we live um, it's not traffic like LA or Boston or places like that so um, generally they'll start the job there's you know you've got to get furniture moved or you've got to get siding scraped or there's always prep work and stuff that needs to be done um, now again it's not always that way sometimes we have the colors, sometimes we are walking in and we're gonna be spraying something within an hour and you know, there's different variables that change how we do things. So there's there's many times we're calling the paint store before the job starts, we're having the paint delivered there. But there's a lot of times that we're not, you know, if you're doing a, a big old two-story great room and you're putting two coats on the walls, you know that three guys won't be busy till lunch, taping, spackling, sanding, moving furniture, covering furniture, covering floors, there's gonna be plenty to keep those guys busy till lunch. The crew leader will evaluate, you know, how much paint they need while he's there and call it in and have it ready, or you may have it delivered or or whatever. So that, that varies a lot, It varies a lot.
0: What percentage of jobs would you say you have your paint delivered to? I don't
1: know. I, don't oh. know. I, I, ne- I never order paint. I <laughs> wouldn't a- have a clue. I wouldn't have a clue. I never order paint for any jobs. I know that we use it more and more and more. And I know that for some goofy reason, In the early days we would almost never have it delivered we would just pick paint up at lunch and go to the paint store i don't know if we just like going in there and bullshitting with the guys or you know it's kind of a hangout anyways but a couple years ago we really you know corey and i discussed we need to start utilizing this delivery service more you know to save us time Um, and we're for our area you know we're we're a pretty big volume company we buy a lot of benjamin moore paint and they're more than happy to drive two gallons over to a job site for us whereas there was a time when we were a three-man company or a five-man company you kind of felt weird calling the paint store to bring two gallons of paint over to a job you know but we don't hesitate now they're, they're happy to do it and they're they're, they're johnson paint and decorating is a very well established uh local benjamin moore dealer that we have partnered with for 20 years now we buy you know of our paint through them and they, they've they've just been fantastic. They, they do anything we ask them to do within reason. So they're, they're always happy to deliver paint and, 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 uh, help us with, with anything we need.
0: Someone asked, uh, about, do you pay for all your apprentices to be additional users in base camp?
1: Yes. I don't know how much that costs. I have no idea. Um, I don't think it's very expensive. I think, I think, and I don't know. I might be talking on my ass, but I think that you pay a certain amount for like up to ten guys, or a certain amount for up to twenty guys, or or whatever it is. But we definitely have every single. That's one of the first during orientation. Which again, there's a whole process to orientation. There's a whole process to job interviews. There's a whole process to. Um, you know, finding applicants for the job. And we have a specific process for our job interviews and what we're trying to communicate to them and what we're trying to figure out about, you know, the potential hire. And we've also got a process to orientating, you know, new hires, which involves, you know, a lot of videos that they'll watch and that we'll use the, uh, as you probably know, we help the PCA, the Painting Contractor Association, develop the trade best practices video series where they kind of, you know, in a nutshell, they'll go through most of the basics of painting from, you know, prep work to paint application and, and all that stuff in between. And they've got some great 12 to 15 minute videos on how to caulk, how to fill holes, how to sand stuff, you know, um, they kind of go through it all <clears throat> and obviously we helped them. So it's, it's a, they're great videos. Uh, <clears throat> but we'll, we'll put, uh, we'll put new people through those and we'll also set them up on all their software you know all their all their apps you know we'll get them t-sheets on their phone that's one of the i provide all tools i don't require people to have any tools at all we provide shirts we provide damn near everything but you gotta have a smartphone because this company runs on smartphones so you must have a smartphone to work for us so during orientation we're getting that set up for them we'll, we'll put t-sheets on the phone we'll put basecamp on the phone uh, which is basically all those guys need Uh, but we're showing them how to use it how to navigate it we're really encouraging them to you know if you want to be an on-the-ball employee um, you need to know your base camp you need to know your work orders and you need to be you know thinking ahead and and trying to stage and plan
0: have you always been this system oriented in my head yes
1: i'm very ocd so when it was just me and a couple guys, or me and the fellas, and we were playing hacky sack at lunchtime and you know, doing a lot of screwing around and a lot of cutting up and having a lot of fun, but doing some nice paint jobs, but not really being super serious about building a business, I was still very systemized in my mind. We still, me and the boys knew exactly what order we did stuff and how we did our stuff and how we cut this in. and. And how we filled these holes and what putty we like to use and how big we wanted our caulk beads and so i've always just been an ocd system oriented person but it was all in my head Um, you know in the in the the first 10 years or the first 15 years really we ran the company on raw talent you know i was good at what i did my top guys were great at what we did we gutted it out we got the job done um, and we just, we just worked really hard, you know, um, and then after that expo, I got really focused on systems, you know, systems, system, systems. And some people will argue, um, about, I mean, everybody knows everybody running a successful company, knows systems and processes is important. There's some people that believe, and for a while I did when I got on this systems kick that as long as you had great systems, you can feed anybody into those systems and have successful painters and a successful company. Um, I find that not to be the case. I find that you really have to, um, you've got to balance talent and systems. You got to have great systems, but you need to have talented people running those systems. And that's our key to success.
0: <clears throat> I love it. So, Unfortunately, you didn't give me great hope for myself because well, maybe you did. Maybe I. I have lots. I have lots of. I am fairly OCD, and but it's. I. I. My company has been in my head, and yeah. like I said, I've been running my company off of pure talent and hard work. Yep. And you know, it's it's we're moving toward. I just hired an assistant, uh, office manager type person. Carney's gonna she's already she's watching and has asked some questions and she's ready to she's very system oriented and very mm-hmm. detail driven and and so I'm ready to stop just living on pure talent because a lot of stuff slips through the cracks yeah. um the the number of times in the last year the wrong color of paint has been applied to something is is happened more times than I'm comfortable
1: it's very frustrating it's dollars out the door it's very very frustrating and you know it makes you look foolish you, you look foolish to your client and you've wasted money you've wasted product you've wasted time it's thrown you off schedule it's it's you know thrown off your margins and your profits and um, it doesn't happen very often but I mean it still happens sometimes you know people still make mistakes we're still a very you know we're a service oriented business so we're people um, are a big part of the mechanics, no matter how system-driven you are. Um, and people make mistakes sometimes. It's just all there is to it. And that's super frustrating when you put the wrong color on in a room, because you look, especially when your client catches it, because you look foolish. It it, does, it, it 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 puts a little nugget in the back of their mind that you made a mistake, and then they feel like they maybe kind of need to watch you a little bit. And it, it, it can, not with everybody but with certain clients it can change the nature of your relationship just a little bit throughout that project you know and of course it's not hard to rebound from you know professionalism and make sure you're not making any other mistakes and most clients are are really cool about stuff you know as long as you're making things right obviously and it doesn't cost them any money but it doesn't feel good and sometimes it can sometimes a mistake on a key mistake on a job can just put that little ounce of doubt in the back of your customer's mind. Just a little smirk, just a little smidge there, um, and make them feel a little bit less comfortable leaving for the day and making sure that everybody's doing things the way they're supposed to. So, definitely something you want to avoid.
0: Yeah, I, we've been lucky. Most of them happened in the shop, so clients yeah. didn't have to find out. Yeah, but I have had to call and, and push back delivery dates on things. And uh, yeah, that's Ain't waiting for paint to get there to, it's
1: when you got three sets of cabinets in the shop and each set has two different colors and yeah it can happen it can happen doors can get mislabeled or the guys can just not be paying attention to which ones they're spraying that, that definitely happens to us sometimes it's better to
0: happen in the shop though than on site it is I, I think when you're like you said when it was me and two people I it was fair it was very easy to keep everything in my head yeah yeah things to the cracks because i was in everything all the time yeah Uh, it gets old though
1: you know at this stage in my career there's literally jobs that will get leads that'll come in jobs that'll get bid, sold completed i don't even know nothing about i don't even you know i barely even know that that job happened and i do all the final invoicing that's one thing i still do myself just i don't know why i just enjoy that part and i like to make sure that we're not missing anything you know um but there's yeah there's oftentimes you know large jobs that'll uh, they'll go through the whole system the whole process be completed with happy customers and a profitable project and i didn't even really even know that job happened or
0: what happened on it
1: um so that's a good feeling it took a long time to work up to that but that's a really good feeling when that
0: that's that's what I th- I mean. That's the definition of a business, you know. I think for so long I thought I was running a business and I was working for myself. You know? mm-hmm. And I think a lot of paint contractors out there think they own a business and they really are working for themselves. Yeah. And what you just described is something that's is is not easy to do to build a machine like you built a machine that runs and you don't necessarily have to be there.
1: It's not perfect. It still needs me. Um, there's a lot of other guys up out there that are way more systemized than I am. You know, there's guys out there running much more well-oiled machines than, than mine is. But I find for our market, for my personality, for my crew's personality, and for the way we like to do things, I think we strike a pretty good balance between being very professional and very systemized, but also being very human and, you know, having a good connection with our, our clients and our, our, our client base and uh, not being overly pretentious about things, you know. Um, so it, it works good for us. I can leave, you know, I can leave for two weeks, probably even three weeks and not have to check in. I literally can go, well, in January, I went for two weeks to uh, Big Bend National Park for a out- back country camping trip. I was two weeks, I never even called the office. And they won't call me unless the Buildings burning down. They're not going to call me. They'll find a way to figure out and solve whatever problem is happening. You know, because they 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 deprive themselves on that. Honestly, not having to that goes with that ownership mentality. You know, if Corey feels like, man, if I got to call the boss for some issue while he's on his vacation, he he don't feel good about that. He feels like he's not doing his job. You know, so that rarely happens. Now, all that being said, um, as Torlando. To Hakes has, um, expressed to me before, and it's, it's true in every sense of the word. Um, your business still needs a leader you still got to be there. You still got to be present. You still have to be a part of things. Even if you're not an estimator anymore, you, you've still got, people still need somebody they can talk to, they can look to, they can help problem solve, um, to, to pat them on the back. What, you know, whatever it is, whatever your leadership style is, you still, You've got to be present and the business still needs a leader. Um, and it can't run completely without me indefinitely, for sure. You know, it's not that kind of a business. And some guys do have businesses like that. There's any contractors out there that can literally, you know, leave for three months and everything will be fine. My company's not there, but like I said, we found a pretty good balance. And I'm, I'm happy with where things are at right now. After the, you know, last four or five years, Push of really scaling up, trying to get bigger, trying to get more organized and, and process driven. And um, we were a little tired this year. You know, we, we kind of wanted to chill just a little bit and not push super hard for more revenue. Um, if it came, it came, you know, great. Not push super hard, you know, to, I, I didn't want to implement another software or change this or change that. And we're going to have to. things need to evolve you know new technology comes around you know new new problems happen that need to be solved and you know i'm sure we won't stick with our exact same systems that we're at forever things you know constantly have to be modified you know if you're not growing you're dying and if you're not staying on top of uh your customers you know customers needs change um employees needs change software improves, you know, there's, there's always ways to get better. So I, by no means do I feel like we're exactly where we need to be or we're, you know, super duper organized and have nothing to improve on. You know, um, we do a damn good job. Um, but we're also not running a, you know, I'm running a company that, that, you know, we did 1.2 million. All
0: right. We are back for part two of episode 33 with Shane Garrett. The Instagram feed just cut out a minute and 35 seconds before the timer was supposed to end. So uh, it completely cut him off. I don't understand why uh, it does it to me. That's the second time now where there's plenty of time on the timer and it just... No, I didn't lose it. Thank God. Last time I lost it. This time it just instantly ended. Um, So I don't understand why Instagram did that to me. Shane is probably going. What the heck just happened? He just. Let me see. He's he should come on in just a second. Yeah, it, we have. It can only go for an hour, and so it 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 gives you a gives me a two minute warning at the top, and we uh-huh. have thirty five seconds left on the warning, and it cut. Oh, uh-huh. so well, back. No harm, no foul.
1: But anyways, I think what I was saying was that, you know, our company, at we're doing a little over a million. We did one point two last year. You know, the, our systems aren't going to work for a $4 million company, you know. So, um, you know, we, we weren't real worried about scaling a whole lot this year, you know. Um, we just kind of wanted to relax a little bit and enjoy the fruits of our labor. We will want to scale more at some point in time, I'm sure. But, um, you know, to move up, you know, even, even to push to, you know, $3, 4000000 million company, those, those, you're going to have to do different things you know, you're going to have to have different systems. And obviously there's guys with $10 million companies and they got to have completely different systems as well. But for our size, you know, in our style of work and in our market that we're in and uh, it, it works for us right now.
0: <clears throat> what is your market like?
1: College town, Columbia, Missouri.
0: Columbia, Missouri is a small
1: city uh, right in the middle of Missouri. Um, it's kind of the hub of mid-Missouri. They've got two major hospitals there. They've got a cancer center there. Uh, the University of Missouri is there. Uh, the MU Tigers, black and gold, uh, hence our black and gold company colors. Um, they've also got uh, Columbia College. They've got Stevens College. So it's you know it's your typical small, trendy um, college town. You know there's a lot of professors. There's a you know with two hospitals and us kind of being the medical hub of the of the whole of central Missouri, you know, you have to go two hours to St. Louis or three hours to Kansas city to be at another major city. So all the small towns and small cities of been Missouri, you know, that's that Columbia is kind of a huge part of our economy. It's where everybody goes to buy cars or, you know, do whatever. So, um, it's, there's a lot of money there, you know, it's, it's a very affluent city. Um, and, uh, Very clean city, and it's always growing, always booming. Even in the, you know, when we had the housing crisis back in, I don't even remember, 08 or whatever, um, when the economy really tanked, Columbia still did pretty well. And we actually started growing um, pretty significantly, you know, during the housing crisis, so the big crash. So, Columbia's a nice little city. Not a ton to do around here, you know, we're in the middle of Missouri. Southern Missouri's got a lot of outdoor opportunities. Um, Mid Missouri's you know, still a lot of cornfields and stuff. But as you start getting as really as you go from Columbia south, things get better and better as far as uh, I'm an outdoor enthusiast. So when I look for something to do, I'm looking to go kayaking or fishing or taking my Jeep somewhere or something like that. So when I say there's not a lot to do around here, I'm talking about outdoor opportunities. But uh but it's a good place to live, you know, it really is. People in Missouri are good good people, level headed, um, friendly. Columbia is a very friendly city. Um, and it's provided a great living for me and my family for 20 years now. So I don't live in Columbia. I live about 35 minutes outside of Columbia in a very small town,
0: 900 people. Do you do much new construction?
1: Well, I try not to,
0: (laughs) I try not to, um,
1: we did one this year and got our ass kicked at it. Like we always do. Um, new construction if it's a custom home with a big old budget and there are people that want what they want and um want it done right um and it's a, like a time of material project you know we'll do those i try to avoid almost all new construction if possible because i just cannot seem to turn a profit um and then you're at the mercy of the contractor's schedule and all the other subcontractor schedules and you know, whereas with our our repaint clients, we're we're usually telling most of the time we're telling them when we're going to start. You know, hey, we'll be there August eighth, or we'll be there whenever. Whereas when you're doing new construction, you have to very closely follow the contractor's schedule, which means you're at the mercy of the plumber, you're at the mercy of the drywaller, you're at the mercy of every other subcontractor there that didn't show up on time or didn't finish when they were supposed to, and. You show up and it's not ready for you or you get something done and they tear it up and you're going to redo it. And there's, there's so many when we do our repaints, you know, nine times out of ten, we have control of the job site. It's our job site. Um, so we don't have all those variables screwing up our work, screwing up our schedules, screwing up our profits. Um, and, and and new construction is just so, so competitive. Yeah, um, it's nice to do new homes. It's fun. It's fun to go in and have a blank canvas that nobody has screwed up yet. It, it's fun, you know, other than the drywaller, you know, it, it, but it's fun to be able to go in and, and have that house, the very first paint job and put a, a really nice money paint job on it. But most contractors are not looking for that type of quality. Um, they're looking for decent, okay quality and a good price and someone that can do it real fast. Yeah. So and we did a lot, we've done, Hundreds of new homes. I mean, in the the beginning of my career, we did tons and tons of new construction. Um, I'd say about four or five years ago when I um, really started getting heavy into cabinet refinishing. um, Because, you know, with us, exterior painting um, is a big part of what we do. We're known for fine interior finishes, we're known for cabinet refinishing. Well, you know, interior repainting and cabinet refinishing is about 50% of my business. Um, the other 50% is exterior painting. And exterior painting is also the most profitable jobs that we do. So I just don't make as good a money on interior repaints um, because the time it takes to give that customer service experience and, and all that. And, and you know, by the time you put the dollars together on that, it, it's, 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 um, it's just it's just hard to command the prices that you can for exterior repaints when you've got guys on three-story houses and um, you know there's a lot of different reasons for it. Um, there's a lot of different reasons why exteriors are just better jobs for us and more profitable jobs for us. But my point is, when it gets cold in the winter, we can't do exteriors anymore in Missouri. And the exteriors shut off about early part of November and they don't come back on till about April. So we've got uh, quite a few months there. Where we have to stay busy inside. Um, and we used to do that through new construction. So basically you'd make great money in the summer and then the winter you'd, you'd lose a bunch of money and you know, you're starting over again in the spring. Um, so I really started getting into cabinet refinishing right about the time that cabinet refinishing started to take off. This whole white cabinet craze, um, painted cabinet craze was taking off. Um, and I spent a lot of time researching that, getting on Facebook forums, chat rooms, discussing with other contractors at home on my couch at 10 o'clock at night, reading threads, um, hundreds and hundreds of hours. I've spent researching and learning cabinet refreshing, you know, and the best processes to do that with. And uh, through Facebook, we started selling a lot of cabinet jobs and It got to the point where I didn't have to do new construction anymore. And we had a big new construction contractor that we did a lot of houses for. And I was able to just say, I'm done. I'm walking away from this relationship. I don't make any money on your jobs. Um, I'm at the behest of your schedule all the time. You're very demanding. Um, And I don't make any money. So it's hard to make you my number one priority anymore. So we just dropped new construction altogether and uh, really doubled down on Facebook advertising with cabinet refinishing and Dialing in that process, um, we were in a 1,500 square foot shop, and we were only there about a year. And we had to step up to a 3,000 square foot shop because of the uh, cabinet refinishing. Um, we needed more space. We bought a spray booth, bought a big spray booth, big nice spray booth. Bought the air-assisted, airless Kremlins. Um, you know, we bought the same equipment that professional cabinet shops use. The same booths, the same sprayers. The same products you know we don't paint cabinets as you know we refinish cabinets and i know that you use different products that we do but we use lacquer um, which is you know much higher level than just putting standard trim paint on your cabinet so we uh we just spend a lot of time dialing that in dialing that process in and figuring out exactly and again it's very system driven we do each set of cabinets the exact same way so that we can have consistent results consistent profitability we made much better money in cabinets and uh, was able to almost completely get away from new construction.
0: <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's it's really nice to get to do that kind of work off-site, of off site too.
1: Oh, I love shop work. Shop work's the best. It You're is. You're controlling your environment, and you can play your music. And, you know, I, even when I was a finished carpenter, I was a finished carpenter before I learned how to paint, I was a trim carpenter. And I just enjoyed shop work, you know, just standing at a workbench and repetitively building things or, or whatever, instead of jumping all over the house. I really like staying in one stationary spot and, and really dialing in on stuff. So yeah, shop works fun.
0: What is your cabinet refinish like? Well, brother,
1: I've got, a, uh, I got an eight minute explainer video that I did. That's pretty cool. We send out to all our clients. So it's basically me standing in the kitchen doing my cabinet presentation. And we've got video clips of Each parts of those processes so they can visually see it and they can hear it from me so we send that to all our clients we do our, we do we do almost all of our cabinet quotes virtually now it's rare that we it's rare that we go do a site visit for a cabinet estimate unless it's already basically sold and we just need to kind of dial in a couple details or something So our process is we send out that explainer video and then we have the the client send us some photos and we explain to them how we need the photographs taken. And once we get the photos, it's really easy. I count the pieces, doors and drawers, and we have a price for that. Um, And I have a template, an estimate rocket, which already has the description of what we do and everything, so I just punch in, this is a 42 piece and we're gonna do pinstripe glaze and these are oak cabinets. And I go boop, 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 and then it just fits an estimate out. you know, 10 seconds, and then we send that over to the clients. Um, so, <clears throat> the way that starts is, um, we first of all we focus all our efforts on the on-site portion of the job. The most important thing for us um, is to get out of the kitchen as quickly as possible because the kitchen's the heartbeat of the home, and to have your kitchen um, plastic off and barricaded off and uh, have guys working in your kitchen is very inconvenient. So, you know, our our real focus is getting the hell out of the kitchen as quickly as possible, getting that done, getting out of there so they can get back into their their routine. So we'll pull the doors and drawer faces off and we set those aside. Those are going to go to our shop later to get refinished. Um, And we'll go through and prep our cabinets by, first we'll clean them with a degreaser. Then we'll scuff sand them. We don't sand the finish off. We don't sand down to bare wood. We just scuff sand the existing finish. We actually want the existing finish on there because it helps with the build. And it helps us give us more of a mirror smooth finish when we've got that existing finish on there. And then we wipe everything down with denatured alcohol. Pretty much the the standard deal, you know, clean, sand, um, degloss. So um, then we wrap that whole bad boy up like a Christmas present. We cover the floors, we cover the tile, we cover the appliances, we mask the countertops. You know, we mask everything in there. Um, we, like to get the, we like to have our clients get the fridge out of the area for us before we show up. Um, but we're, we're, we're masking walls. We're, I mean, we're, we're wrapping that bad boy up like it's Christmas. We'll use our erector erect, rack, or uh, not erector erect, rack, but our zip wall system to uh, put a plastic wall up um, between the kitchen and the rest of the house. Oftentimes we can have access through a garage utility room or a sliding door. You know, that's best case scenario. That way we can come in and out of the kitchen area and we've never even got a step foot in the other part of the house or create any disturbance there. But if that's not the case, we do have zipper enclosures for our zip walls so we can zip you know, zip it up and step through and zip it back down. Um, we will set up our, uh, we've got an exhaust fan with duct work. So we'll set that up in the area and we'll, we'll run the duct work through a door through a window or something so we can get the fumes outside We'll mask off all of the openings um, we usually don't do the insides of the cabinets it's usually a clear coat nice clear coat finish a natural finish that that works great for your dishes and stuff so we'll mask off the cabinet openings and then we uh, we set up we got a mobile Kremlin unit and maybe we got a couple of them um, so we'll set up our Kremlin sprayer we'll spray a coat of shellac and then we'll spray uh, two coats of pre-catalyzed lacquer um, if we're doing oak cabinets we'll double prime it and we'll back brush and that way we're filling the grain as much as we can it's never fully filled as you know but we we try to fill in those those little cracks that you see you know when you paint oak cabinets white so uh but yeah we prime the shellac and we put on two coats of lacquer a great thing about the products we use is they dry incredibly fast they're very durable and they dry incredibly fast so we can we can shellac prime, sand again, do little spackle touch-ups, do the prep work we need to do in between, and spray two coats of lacquer on all in the same day. And it's dry enough to sand in forty-five minutes. So that's a big part of how we get the hell out of there quickly. Um, most of our average kitchens, you know, they'll take us three days to get out of the get out of the kitchen. Sometimes it's two, sometimes it's four. Depends on if we're doing a thirty-piece kitchen or if we're doing a ninety-piece kitchen. You know. Um, But on average, we can usually be out of the kitchen in three days. And it's really only on spray day when they can't use their kitchen. Um, So that's it. And when we're done, we pull everything down, clean everything up, wipe everything down. At that point, they've got full use of their kitchen. They don't have doors on and they don't have drawer faces. They can put everything back in the cabinets. They can, you know, it's seven to 10 days for a full cure. But with just normal light use, they can get right back in their kitchen and start doing dishes and cooking food and doing stuff like that. We'll go to the shop. Uh, we we hang um, a lot of guys. Uh, you know, there's obviously a debate in the painting industry. Some guys spray flat, some guys spray hanging. Um, we find that with our sprayers and our products and our skill level, we have no issue spraying hanging, um, and it's way more efficient for us because we can do all sides at one time. We don't have to spray a side, let it dry, flip it over, spray a side, let it dry, flip it over. You know, we can hang them up and and. Shoot all four sides at one time, and we've got uh, drying racks with wheels with casters that we can roll in and out of the booth. So we'll go to the shop, and we we do the same thing to the doors. We we clean them with degreaser, we scuff sand them, we wipe them down with denatured alcohol, and and then we'll put little uh, hooks in them and we'll hang them up on our on our little racks, and we'll roll them into the booth and we'll, we'll shoot them. Um, when that's done, we wrap them all up in bubble wrap. Take them back to the job, rehang them, make sure everything's nice and straight, adjust hinges, so on and so forth. We also offer backsplash installation, countertop installation, soft close hinges. You know, um, we work closely with uh, a tile guy, and our paint store, Benjamin Moore dealer, they also sell uh, tile, flooring, window treatments, and stuff like that. So we can uh, set our clients up with them to pick out a nice backsplash tile we can have our tile guy come in, you know, before the cabinets are refinished and put a new backsplash in. Um, our, our, the cabinet maker that we work with, they can, um, you know, so say for instance, you've got some arched doors on your cabinets, which are really out of style. And you want to get rid of those. He can build you some new shaker style cabinet doors. If you want those nice soft close hinges and soft close drawers, um, he can install those for you. If you want to get some new granite or marble, um, or courts, countertops, we can, we can handle all that. So we can take care of all that stuff prior to refinishing the cabinets so that you're, you know, it truly is a, a total kitchen refresh, which is what we call it. It's not just painting cabinets. We come in and do all of it. We can, you want some pendant lights, we can get our electrician over there. We can hang you some new pendant lights over the island. Um, you know, any of that. We've actually, I don't know if you know, but we've been moving quite a bit into full on remodeling services. Um, you know, we don't build rooms on or anything like that, but, you know, you want to refinish your floors or, you know, get new fixtures up or basically anything you want to do inside remodeling wise, we, we can handle that, which all started with these kitchen refreshes, you know, started with the backsplash and the countertops and it just kind of evolved from there. We've built some great relationships, you know, over the last 20 years with many, many contractors. So we, we know somebody really good for just about everything. That needs to be done um they like working with us because we do high-end work and we do quality work and we have very good clients um we're really fortunate we've got great clients i mean in the market that we're in the clientele that we work with you know we don't have to worry about not getting paid or you know having people that are jerks to work for very often Um, so we've got great clients and and um and so subs really like working with us. So we had no problem getting people in to take care of all kinds of needs for our customers. So that's been good for us this year. That's awesome.
0: My friend here, spray his life asks, what is your overhead at 1.2 million? Um,
1: Great question. Uh, Our our goal is usually around a 50% gross profit. So our overhead is, you know, usually around 50%. 50 to 55% all together.
0: Awesome. Um, all right. Well, I really appreciate your time. We have some questions that we ask at the end, but um, so I, I, first I want to thank you for coming on. It, it's, it's amazing just to hear someone that has their stuff together as well as you do. Um, well, I scoff at that. So that's relative. Have, that's relative. Um, you have your stuff together. You're an inspiration to a lot of people here um pca has been huge for for me as well um and i'm really glad i got to meet you there um but we have a few questions that we ask everybody at the end um one of them being what is uh your favorite piece of paint paraphernalia it could be a tool equipment software um Um, favorite piece
1: of paint paraphernalia tool equipment or software you know my favorite tool is a three inch Wooster brush. Um, I have actually been, with the backlog that we have this year because of COVID, um, we've actually probably for the last six weeks or so, we've been been having to tell clients that we can't do your interiors till November, we can't do your exteriors till next spring, which means there's a lot of people that don't want to get an estimate done because they don't want to wait that long. So me as an estimator have been, I've not been super busy. We've got so much work sold um, that I haven't had to do a lot of estimates lately. So I've actually been on the job side. I've probably, in the, last, in the last four to six weeks, I've probably done more painting than I've done in the last 10 years. So, and what I do is I like to get me a cut pot, and I like to put some paint in there, and I like to get me a baker's rack and a three-inch wooster brush and cut in. That's what I like to do, um, Just cut in all day long. I can do it all day long. So it's been fun to get in there and paint some rooms with the guys and hang out and go to lunch with stuff.
0: Uh, now, are you a, a slapper or a wiper? Uh, I used to be a wiper.
1: I trained myself to slap.
0: Yeah, I slap. Yeah. Sometimes I do the Nick
1: Slavic style where I wipe one edge and then go straight up with it. This house has got – it's the house that we're working on, uh, this massive house, but it's kind of silly, but it's got knockdown texture on the walls, which is usually just on ceilings. Um, generally you have smooth walls and a knockdown texture on ceilings around here. But in this particular house, which is like freaking 8,000 square foot mansion, when they built it, they put knockdown texture on the walls, which is a a travesty, but it's what we're dealing with, you know, so I've got to cut in knockdown texture to knockdown texture and make a straight line, which as you know, if you've ever done that, it ain't easy. (laughs) Um, and you've got to, so when you're doing a smooth wall, You know, you don't need as much paint. You don't need as much pressure. You can just You can dab it off and you can lay it on that smooth wall and just glide right across there. But when you've got that knockdown texture, meaning you've really got to work that paint into the crevices Um, and you really got to mash your brush in much harder. It's way harder to make a straight line, but you've got to load the paintbrush up way more or you're just going to go over the top of that texture and you're not going to be able to get down into the divots. So, I've been having to really load my brushes up and I've actually been doing the dip and then wipe off one edge like Slavic does. And that way I can lay that loaded edge up right up next to the ceiling and get that paint right up there in all those crevices. So it kind of depends on this. It kind of depends on what you're doing.
0: Yeah, uh, that's a great answer. Um, How about a DIY paint tip?
1: Use tape. Use tape. If you want to have a professional looking paint job, you tape your case you tape your baseboards. Um, My little trick is I like to follow the back edge of the baseboard and not follow the waves of the wall. Oftentimes walls are wavy uh, baseboards straight. So when you're taping off, don't try to follow the contour of the wall. You want to, you want to follow the, the, that straight edge of the back of the baseboard. Um, and I like to back my line off, away from the corner, about a sixteenth of an inch, so I can actually see the straightness of my line. I don't, I don't lay my tape straight into the corner. And I use my putty knife where my baseboard meets my casing. I'll use my putty knife to stab it in there and rip it off, so that I've got a. Sh- when my corners are like a 45 degree corner, they're not rounded. So use tape, and and like anything, you can't just tape it. You know, you got to know the little tips and tricks, you know, sealing. I like to seal it in with my fingernail and then come back with a putty knife and seal it in again with a flat putty knife so that we're not getting bleed through underneath the tape there. But just like every single thing in in painting or anything else you do, no matter how simple a task may seem, there's little tips and tricks that make the difference between professional and and DIY. But learn how to tape and use tape if you want a good looking
0: paint job. Love it. All right, now my favorite question of the whole thing, because you have just dropped a ton of knowledge. You've been very impressive. Everyone is just like, wow, this guy is perfect. So now we need to bring you back down to, to life. So could you give us like your worst night, like the worst thing, horror story that's ever happened to a project? I once painted the wrong house.
1: Uh, well, never painted the wrong house. I've definitely had guys show up at the wrong house because we didn't have the right address in the work order, but it wasn't a, a disaster. Um, well, I'm gonna tell you we're, I, we're actually in the middle of a little bit of a, um, we're in the middle of a, a small disaster that's kind of turned into a big disaster on a job that involves four interior doors, which should be just unbelievably incredibly simple to spray and finish four interior doors and re-deliver them to the house. but. We did this job, and I'm almost certain the homeowner cleaned these doors with something um, way before they were cured, and screwed the finish up on them. So we brought them back to the shop, pro bono, sanded them up, resprayed them. Uh, the, it was it's a very very almost a black, very very dark color that we're we're using uh, an acrylic in, and that just didn't atomize properly. And it kind of looked orange peeled when we sprayed them. Um, So it just looked like crap. And it being the dark color that it is, and it got sprayed with a little too much paint. They had to sit around for like two weeks to cure. They still wouldn't cure. They weren't cured enough to sand because when you'd sand them, they'd get gummy. Um, And then we ended up having to strip the doors. When the doors got stripped, they got over-sanded around the profiles, so the profiles got rounded off. And in, in, long story short, we spent a small fortune on these four doors. We have painted them I don't even know how many freaking times. Completely screwed these doors up. Uh, and this was a whole house repaint. A huge job. Big job. Very nice paint job. Very good customers. Very nice people. And we have just fumbled these four doors up. Uh, multiple times can't seem to freaking get them right finally had to strip them all down the bare and even when we did that we screwed them up by oversanding the profiles now we've had to order them new doors of course they're solid core very expensive so they're going to cost me $600 bucks. i have done spent I don't even know two grand, trying to fix these freaking doors that we didn't even mess up in the first place um, and now I end up having to spend $600 to buy new ones and and of course it's all out of my pocket, you know, cause we're gonna do whatever we're gonna do to make the job right, no matter what it costs. Um, and we've got to wait like six freaking weeks for these new doors to come in um, before we can repaint them again and get them delivered. So it's been, um, it's been challenging. Um, it's made us look stupid multiple times and we've had to make multiple calls to the homeowner saying we screwed these doors up again. Uh, we're the best painting company in Columbia, but we can't get these four doors painted right. So, and I've spent a fortune on them. We just look like clowns, but we'll suffer through it. It's been, one, it's been the biggest debacle of the year, for sure. It happens to everybody. It, it does. To everybody. No matter how good you are, things
0: just freaking happen, man. Hey, well, that's, that's a tremendous way. We like to end on a high note here in ZK Live. So thank you so much for joining me. Everybody go follow Garrett Painting if you're not already following Shane. Um, and Garrett I'll,
1: Painting one. Yep. And all you guys go follow PCA National too.
0: Yes, PCA. That's it's it's very it's very beneficial mm-hmm. for paint contractors. And I know not everyone has drank the juice yet, but once you go to an expo, it'll yeah. change.
1: Yeah. Yeah, once you go to the next one, it's like kinda like getting a tattoo. Once you go to one, you wanna you wanna go to another one.
0: Yeah. And another one and another one. But
1: yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. Taught me
0: so much. Me too. Awesome. Thank you, Shane. Thank you, Zach. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Wow. That was an awesome episode. I knew he would be good. Um I I had heard some of that stuff before and my mind was just like blown and it was it's so awesome to talk to shane like many successful business owners uh he just acts like yeah this is no big deal this is what we do you know we talked to shoreline chris from shoreline Paintings. same thing like yeah we just do it you know and i think that's a great mentality to have um not overthinking things just getting stuff done and and people like that inspire me to be more of the type of person that just gets stuff done doesn't try to make it the biggest deal ever. And, uh, you know, his success has, I mean, the guy's taken weeks and weeks off and his company's running smooth. Um, I definitely aspire to be more like that. Um, So thanks everybody for watching. If you haven't already subscribed to our um, YouTube channel, these videos go up on YouTube. They're also on iTunes and Spotify. Um, Stay tuned for Sunday night Q&A. Thanks, guys.